everybody. Welcome to the SoxProspects.com podcast. My name is Chris Hatfield. Thanks for downloading. We're glad to have you listening in. It's Monday, June the 8th, and we are recording our reaction to the Red Sox selection of Arkansas center fielder Andrew Benintendi with the number seven overall pick in the 2015 MLB draft. Uh, we're going to have Matt Hegel and Ian Kundal on the podcast in a little bit. But first, before we get to that, we wanted to replay for you uh, Kylie McDaniel's take on Andrew Benintendi from our draft uh, preview podcast that we recorded this weekend. So uh, coming up in a little bit will be uh, me, Matt, and Ian talking about the pick. But first, here's what Kylie had to say about Benintendi. those top two shortstops. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving, I guess, to the bats and another guy who's playing this weekend, or I guess Tate isn't, but um, uh, is Andrew Benintendi, who I guess in kind of the alternative sense of where Tate maybe has fallen a little bit, Benintendi has come pretty much completely from out of nowhere, it seems. I, I'm listening to you and Carson on, on Fangraph's audio. I remember you saying at some point that you were talking to some some guys with teams that hadn't even heard of him even earlier this year and didn't even know he was draft eligible. Uh, he's a draft eligible sophomore center fielder out of Arkansas. Uh, should fans looking at this potential pick for the Sox, because he seems to be getting mocked to them a lot, including in your most recent mock draft, um, a guy who, you know, looking at the sortable list right here, you see the previous rank of some of these guys and the one next to his is not ranked. Um, <laughs> yeah. I and that's mean, what I enlisted about a hundred 25 guys, and he wasn't even on the radar to go on that list. Yeah, I mean, should is that a red flag, or is that just, you know, hey, there this draft process is not perfect and that can happen, or is it is it, you know, maybe conversely, this is a guy who you can look at fresh without the baggage of, you know, having seen this guy as, you know, on X, Y, and Z prep showcase and, you know, maybe on Team USA and those kind of things, and maybe is that an upside where he has kind of come off off of uh, the radar a little bit to suddenly be a top 10 pick. Yeah, it's, this is actually a question that I asked about pitchers when I was with the Orioles, because I I got there the year after they took Matt Hobgood and I was sort of asking questions like he wasn't like a bust or anything at this point. He was just the guy we took last year that, you know, was kind of lower profile earlier in the spring. And I was asking some other scouts like, all right, what was the progression of him going from, you know, not really in the first round consideration to being the guy we took at fifth overall. And they were like, you know, the velocity sort of crept up from, you know, 88 to 91, his first start. Then it's like 90, 94, a couple months later. And then he came in for a pre-draft workout and it was like 95, 98. And we're like, this guy might be Roger Clemens. And I was saying the some of the other guys they were comparing him to, like that pitching class, I think had like uh, Tyler Matzik, Shelby Miller, Zach Wheeler. Like, there's a bunch of guys in that class that you could have, you know, if you were looking for a high school pitcher, could have taken. And I was saying, so how do you balance a guy like that that goes from, you know, fringe first round, probably second or third round, to top five that quickly versus a guy that had been there all along? Like, do you look at one or the other as better? And they're like, eh, not sure. Like, you could go either way with that. And I think you could go either way with Benintendi. Like, I, I was watching Arkansas last year to see Brian Anderson, the guy they had that went in the third round uh, to the Marlins. And Benintendi, I was, you know, trying to see if there's another guy in Arkansas to watch. And I saw Benintendi was a freshman, had big numbers. And after watching BP, I was like, oh, good, like, gap-to-gap guy. Like, not a lot of power, but makes contact. Looks like he can run a little bit. All right, I'll watch him. And I sat and watched him for two days, and it was just like, yeah, good contact guy, gap to gap, like chance to be second or third rounder if he really hits. And I didn't know he was old enough to be draft eligible the next year, so I didn't even know to file that away as a next year draft guy. 
And then I heard from a couple people when I was doing my sort of mid-season update for the draft. They're like, yeah, this Benintendi guy, he's actually eligible. Go look at his numbers. And he had like 12 home runs in the first half of the season. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what happened? And they're like, yeah, he's a lot bigger now. And I was like, he was like 5'10", 5'11", like 165 when I saw him. They're like, yeah, he's like 190 now. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, some people are wondering how that happened so quickly. But he's hitting like crazy and he's just as fast. He can still play center field. And now instead of having like, you know, say 45 power that he doesn't get to in games, now it's 55 power and he's getting to it in games and he's hitting like 340 and he's, you know, walking more than he's striking out. He's stealing bases. He's like wreaking havoc. And last year he hit like 290 without a lot of power. So it's like a completely different guy. And then I went to go see his last, uh, last series of the year this year when he was at Georgia and there were, I think, five scouting directors and another 15 or 20 VPs and cross-checkers there, which is like an absurd number of scouts, especially that late in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that would usually be when like two top 10 pitchers are matching up. You might get that level of, uh, of scouting heat there. And when I sat down to watch VP, uh, the scouting director in front of me turned around and he goes, welcome to, welcome to the scouting conference. I was like, what's going on? He was like, I don't think the guys here knew this guy was eligible a month or two ago. He definitely wasn't on their list. Like, I have a friend that's an area scout that has Ben and Tenney in his area. And he's like, I wasn't comfortable pushing for him, like for the cross-checker and the director to come in for multiple looks until at least the middle of the season because I wasn't sure what I was looking at yet. Mm-hmm. And so these guys are scrambling to get late looks. And he's been, like, performing like crazy. So... It's very easy, conversely, to see uh, a guy like Benintendi that you didn't know was any good, you don't have any history with, you haven't seen him over the summer, you didn't know who he was out of high school, and he's just going bananas, and you're seeing it, and you're seeing the good version, and you like it. Whereas a guy like Brendan Rodgers, you've seen him go crazy for the last two summers, and then he's like kind of iffy this spring because you know guys are gunning for him, they're throwing 80 miles an hour, they're throwing a bunch of curveballs, he's pressing, you know, all that stuff kind of adds up, which is kind of common with the top high school guys, mm-hmm. and I can see why certain teams will be like Benintendi talking about like there's some talk uh, he might go second overall to Houston. Uh, he might go third to Colorado. They're both looking at him as like a sort of a long shot under slot kind of guy. It's very easy to like the thing that you see succeeding. But yeah, there's some teams that are like, you know, this parts of the swing don't look right to us. And we can't say, well, he hit 320 on the cave. We like this guy. We haven't seen that. So now the questions kind of linger a little longer so yeah i don't know what to tell you if that's better or worse that he's completely new but it obviously looks good if you go in to see it right now All right, well, that's Kylie McDaniel talking about the newest Red Sox minor leaguer, or I guess potential Red Sox minor leaguer. He has to sign first. But uh, Andrew Benintendi, uh, center fielder currently of the Arkansas Razorbacks, who uh, we should mention, all of you listening out there, if you want to see Andrew Benintendi play, he'll be playing. His Arkansas Razorbacks are playing in the College World Series beginning this weekend. And uh, by the way, gentlemen, guess who the Razorbacks get in their first game? UVA. Yep. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Playing against the, uh, I don't know if you could call a team a Cinderella coming out as a three seed. If at one point earlier in the year they were ranked first in the country, but um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know who I'm rooting for in that game. The cardiac kids. That was an impressive comeback a couple times against Maryland in that series. It's true. It's very true. But uh, I should, I should, I would, I would warrant a guess that nobody cares listening to us. Um, so uh, Andrew Benatendi is the pick. Uh, the guy that. I think most of we would agree that was the most mocked to the Red Sox 
player in, in this year's draft. It was probably either him or, or uh, Carson Fulmer, but winds up being Ben Benintendi. Red Sox got their guy. Uh, I mean, I guess there's not a whole lot to say in what you think of the pick, but I guess just going around really quick. What do you think of the pick? Uh, Matt. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting pick. Uh, I think, you know, like you mentioned, probably came down to him and Fulmer, and they were both on, on the board for the Red Sox. So yep. we got to see that, uh, you know, they clearly uh, chose Benintendi over Fulmer in the end. Um, I guess he, he probably I, – actually, I saw Brian McPherson tweet that um, – that, they saw Fulmer more as a reliever long term, so that that probably is what uh, is what it came down to, obviously. And you know, I think position players are a lot more um, sort of coveted these days with the the lack of offense. So it might have also uh, come down to that for for the choice between a pitcher and and a, and a fielder. And you know, it's just a guy with all the tools. There's nothing really not to like. Um, you know, we've seen toolsy guys uh, sort of you know flop before so that's you know it's always always a possibility no matter how many tools but uh certainly certainly fills up the uh the the stat or the uh the scouting sheet i I guess you'd say well the stat sheet too uh and as ian mentioned uh to to, for us to mention before uh, the um benintendi won the triple crown in the southeast conference which is typically a, a great baseball conference uh his his slash line this year is 380 489, 715. He hit 19 home runs in uh, 221 at bats. Uh, read that he actually had more extra base hits uh, than strikeouts, which is something that you like to see out of a player. He had, let's see if I can do the math really quick here 15 plus 19 is uh, 34, and he struck out uh, 31 times. So, And he also stole 23 bases. Projects to stay in center field. So seems to, you know, at least check the average-ish, at least average tools, at least across the board, if not uh, above average or plus. Uh, Ian, you're, you're, I haven't gone to you yet. What are your thoughts on the pick? I like the pick. I, it's, it's interesting. I think a little bit that this is the first time they've actually, they've taken an outfielder from college in the first round since back in 2011 when they took Jackie Bradley. So it seems like they kind of moved away from it for a few years, but obviously this year, um, picking near the top of the draft, they wanted. It seemed like they wanted a uh, a safer bet, more of a lower ceiling, higher floor type talent. Because um, as you said, most of the mock drafts had them linked with a couple college guys and Fulmer and Ben Intendi. Uh, I think things I like though, it's he he fills. Obviously, for them, they took the best player available, but he also does. He kind of fits into a void in the system, which is there are a lot of good outfielders in the low minors um, in the Greenville outfield is it's got, it's got some interesting guys, but it's, they're not a lot of high floor guys or guys um, with who in center field, especially. And then obviously you've got Manuel Margo in Salem, but other than him, there's not much in the outfield there. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he's going to, he seems to fit in with uh, also with that timeline um, when it comes to, he should be right up there next year with the Moncada Devers Guerra crew. So he might, be advancing with them sure so it's i, I like the pick yeah Just. yeah yeah it, it's interesting you mentioned the last time they took a college outfielder in the first round was jackie bradley in 2011 but he was of course their fourth pick that year the last time the red sox took a college outfielder who played outfield in college so in other words not colburn vidic um with their first overall pick 2005 jacoby ellsbury so no pressure, Andrew Benintendi. Uh, you and that, have, you that one worked be, out pretty well. It worked out okay, so no pressure. 
Yeah, Andrew. Uh, by the way, I, I loved uh, – a, a member of our uh, – the SoxProspects.com forum – uh, if you're having trouble remembering how to spell Benintendi, I wanted to throw this out there as a PSA. Uh, just remember B-E and then the plural of Nintendo. Uh, for those of you who, who you know, maybe fluent in other or know a little bit about other languages, so it'd be uh, Nintendi. Uh, so it, yeah, Benintendi, B-E and then Nintendo, but with an I. So uh, some other things. I'm, I'm forgetting all the things that we. That we said that we were going to talk about. Oh, the other little note that I wanted to mention before I forget is that last year the Red Sox took two different, uh, took two other Arkansas left-handed pitchers in Jalen Beeks and Michael Gunn. So, uh, assuming that Benintendi catches up with them, which I think he certainly could do, uh, he'll have some faces he's familiar with, at least from his first season in Arkansas. Uh, obviously, because he is a draft-eligible sophomore. So. Uh, some things, oh, I guess the first thing is where we think he'll start. And I think I can just go ahead and speak for all of us and that we unanimously think he will begin the season with the Lowell spinners. It's a near certainty, frankly, uh, I would pretty much bet everything I owned on that. Uh, the question I have for you guys is, do you think that he will get moved up to Greenville at any point this season? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's a distinct possibility. We saw it last year with Sam Travis. Mm-hmm. That he started the year in Lowell, hit well there, and then he got promoted to Greenville for, I'm about to look it up, so you might hear a click, how many at-bats did he get there? Up there for 27 games and 100 at-bats, just over 100 at-bats. Did he have more at-bats there or in Lowell? Um, he had more in Lowell, he had 165 in Lowell. Alright, so it was close though. Yeah, I think another factor that why we're probably likely to see him is Greenville is, I think Greenville has a very good chance at making the playoffs. And especially if Lowell isn't looking like they're going to make the playoffs, they'll want to get him up there for that action, A, to help the Greenville team, um, because there's a very good chance he will not be playing there next year if uh-huh. the timetable is right yeah. for him. So to get him up there, get him a taste of Greenville this year, and then a la Travis start next year up in Salem. Salem, yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And the other thing that Merritt's mentioned is that that Greenville roster is very thin in the outfield. Um, they've, they're, the outfield right now... The starting outfield is Mike Myers in left, uh, Derek or Joseph Monhay in center, who is not going to keep Benintendi off the field, and uh, right field has been mostly Nick Longy uh, with with Cisco Teyes at at first base. So I could definitely, and then Derek Miller has been playing all three positions as well uh, with a significant amount. So basically, those are the four quote starting outfielders with Carlo, Carlos Mesa as the fifth outfielder on the roster slash only here because he's boys with Johan Mancata. So I actually would be quite surprised myself if Benintendi does not make it to Greenville this year and then start next year in Salem. Uh, Matt, I realize we may have taken all of the air out of this, but uh, anything to add, any disagreement with any of <laughs> Well, that? no, not really. I was going to add that, you know, maybe he's a little bit younger than Sam Travis was last year, but that's looking at it, it's really not that true. It's He's, right. he's a couple months, couple months younger, but... I, I just thought, you know, in my, in my mind, I'm kind of almost think of him as as a high school pick or like a prep pick, you know, because he's he's a, he was a sophomore so young oh. and he really didn't do anything uh, his freshman year. You know, this was like the big helium year. So I mean, it, you know, it's a little bit uh, almost in between to me. I mean, it's you know definitely more of a college, obviously a college pick, but it, in right. some ways it kind of makes me in my mind I'm I'm thinking of it a little bit like a high school pick. So I think he's sort of in between, but at the same time he's he's uh, he's you know, he's the, t- the seventh overall pick, and so obviously he's coming in with a, 
higher pedigree and higher hope. So, I, right. yeah, I, I definitely agree that that um, they'll try to get him to Greenville if, if things go smoothly. Yeah, it's interesting because you think, oh, well, he's a draft-eligible sophomore. He's younger than the typical college pick. And then you realize, like, well, no, the reason he's a draft-eligible sophomore is that he's 21. So <laughs> exactly. he's, he's still older. If anything, he's, he's an old sophomore, which is why he was available. So um, the other question that we wanted to answer on this podcast was where we think Ben Benintendi, once he signs, we don't rank draftees until they sign. Uh, where will uh, where will Benintendi slot in in the rankings? Uh, I think we kind of we had some discussions about this before uh, the draft, uh, but what do you guys think for where he where he slots in? Uh, Matt, do you have a, do you have a, a spot for him? I think we let me let me say this before I throw it to you guys. I think we kind of agree that the range, uh, the top seven, which is uh, which is right now Swihart, Moncada. Eduardo Rodriguez, Rafael Devers, Manuel Margot, Henry Owens, Brian Johnson. No chance that Benintendi slots in there, but then it becomes a question where I'll, I'll just say 8 through 12 right now on the website are Michael Kopech, Matt Barnes, Michael, Michael Chavis, Devin Marrero, and Javier Guerra. Uh, and every, anyone who wants to see more information on them can go to the homepage, SoxProspects.com. I think we agree that's the range where he's going to slot in. Where do you guys think he goes, uh, Matt? I think I'm leaning towards 10 right now, uh, right yeah. ahead of Chavis. Uh, you know, Chavis being the being the first-round pick last year and obviously not picked as high. But then, you know, Kopech, Kopech uh, was picked, you know, a few spots below Chavis. And, and so I think, you know, him him in the same range as Kopech definitely make, makes sense to me Uh Right now, Kopik has shown a little bit more, and we like what we've seen. So I think the conservative placement for me would be 10. Uh, but, yeah, I could see him up to 8, uh, but definitely definitely not above that. But I, I'd go 10 at this point. I would also go 10. Um, I think that when you look at what Matt Barnes is right now, he's a valuable member of the big league bullpen pitching in, what is he, seventh inning guy maybe mainly right now? And I think that he has the stuff to be a late inning reliever if they choose to keep him there or still a back end starter. I think that is just just the the proximity of the big leagues is being in the big leagues just gives him the nod there. And then Shavis first him is is close, but I think what separates him from Shavis is a couple things. Is a he's up the middle. Uh, Shavis is obviously locked in at he's going to be a third baseman or a corner outfielder. He's not going to play up the middle. Whereas Benintendi, it sounds like from everything we've read um, and from hearing from Kylie, it sounds like he can stay in center field. So obviously, when you have a guy up the middle, that's more valuable than a mm-hmm. corner guy. And the other thing is, I think he's just he's got a few more tools. He's got the speed, which Shavis doesn't really have. Shavis is more guy gets uh, he gets the steals on instincts, not on raw speed. And if he can hit and hit for average, hit for a little power, run, play center field, that's just a little more valuable than what I think Shavis projects at, projects at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I, th- I think that that makes sense. With me, I think the only thing that keeps me from putting, uh, from putting Benintendi above Barnes, and by the way, Barnes might graduate by the time Benintendi signs, unless he signs quickly. Um, we mentioned that Benintendi is playing in the College World Series this week, and so he can't even sign until Arkansas is eliminated. Uh, and, and even after that, you know, when you talk about things like the drug tests and all those sort of things that the club makes sure come back clean before the player is officially signed, he may not. I mean, he, I, he almost certainly won't be ready for Lowell, the start of Lowell's season, I, I would say. So he'll be well, a little Yeah, there's, there's no way he's 
he opens on the team. Yeah. Because so, they've got games this week. Or, sorry, they have games next week, but next he week. has games this week. Right. So. right. So there's no chance he's ready for the start of the season. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're debating whether or not Barnes graduates on July 1 if, if he hasn't officially signed by July 1, which could happen, may or may not happen. Um, for all we know, Barnes may not even be there. But the point I was about to make is that the only thing keeping me from ranking him above Barnes right now is the lack of track record. Uh, everything else I read about him makes me want to put him above Barnes right now and, and even consider putting him above Kopech, uh, to be perfectly honest. And depending on, on what we see out of him once he signs, I, I could move him quickly above Kopech, although I don't know that I would go any higher than that yet. Uh, it's it's. I think it's a good pick, uh, and I think that's a good spot for him to start. We typically, you know, put the new draftees in, in the teens. Uh, that's where both uh, Shavis and Kopech started, I think, in the, the around 15 to 20 range last year, right? I think he would be starting in the teens if the system had everyone in it. It's just it's been really thinned out this year, um, both through, I mean, obviously, not this year, but necessarily, but like in the last, you know, with you got Betts up, you got Vasquez, you got Bradley no longer in there. Bogarts is obviously no longer in there. So I think if it had some of the depth that is now, that's still technically young graduates, he'd be in the teens. But yeah. Well, it's also the number seven pick, too. So you would hope the number seven pick would go in higher than the number 24 pick, you know, or the number this, 30 pick. But I think you got to look at it also, though, that they've had a year of developmental time that he hasn't had. So Right, right. No, no they have we're, we're talking there. about where these guys are debuting. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying where we rank them relative to one another. Yes. What do you guys think about signability-wise? Do we think he's an underslot guy or right about at slot? I say right about at slot. Yeah, well, yeah, that's an interesting question because he dra- he's a sophomore, obviously, so that gives him a little more leverage uh, to be able to go back to school. But um, so otherwise, I think I'd say under slot because he's such a fast rise or late riser. Um, but I, I'm thinking slot, yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, this is the range he was supposed to go in. That's a great point, yeah. Because usually when you get the under slot guys, when they don't have a home, like they're going to fall, you know, another five, 10 picks if they don't cut that on deal. But it seems like the Cubs, who were, I think, picking what, ninth, were all over him also. So yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't falling past 11. You know, the range that on, on the sortable draft board on fan graphs was 5 to 11 for him. Yeah, so maybe they save a couple hundred thousand at most, but it's not a significant underslot guy. Yeah, I think they'll try and save some money because, as we mentioned, more than half of their draft budget is the slot for that pick. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe they got in touch with the advisors for both Benintendi and Fulmer and said, look, we're going to take whichever, whichever one of the two players is willing to sign for the lower amount, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, not saying they did that, and in theory that would be illegal, although that happens all the time where teams get in, t- to get in touch with advisors. But it, it's, it, you know, we don't know what was happening behind the scenes. So the Red Sox have every incentive to try and save as much money on this pick as they can. Especially with those second round picks. So, yep, exactly. Exactly. Um, we are recording this at 8.51 p.m., so a couple things I'll throw out to you guys. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Carson Fulmer went to the White Sox at 8. That was the other guy I think that was in play for them, but um, I'm not super sad about it. I think they both would have been fine picks. Uh, Colby Allard, the injured high school left-hander from California, went number 14 to the Braves. Uh, and she, Braves- Josh... Uh- I was going to say Josh Naylor went at 12, which a lot of it seemed like a lot of people were shocked by, but at the same time... uh, (laughs) Well, they were shocked on the broadcast. 
Yeah, but he was pretty heavily linked to. Well, not that. Not until late, but he was linked to the Red Sox late as like an under slot guy. So that would have been a surprise, really surprising there. I think. Yeah, he's the guy that we were teasing Will Woodward with. Uh, Will was the one who wrote. (laughs) Will did a great job. We should mention he wrote up a, a number. He wrote up about seven or eight guys that the Red Sox could have selected. Uh, at seven today, including having to write up Ian Happ at the last minute from Cincinnati when at least one mock draft had, I think it was Keith Law's last last mock draft had Happ to the Red Sox, right? So yeah. he did a great job doing that, and we were teasing him because we did the same thing two years ago, and Trey Ball was not one of the eight guys he had written <laughs> up. So he was so we're, very we're 500 sad. now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other one I wanted to mention was Brady Aiken went 17 to the Indians. So yeah. a lot of people were wondering where he was going to fall to. So 17 was the spot for him. Uh, and 18 was actually Phil Bickford, who was drafted by the Blue Jays two years ago and didn't sign and went to junior college. So uh, that was interesting. He went 18 to the Giants. Uh, and Aiken, speci- Aiken went to the Indians. I don't know if I actually said that. but It's especially interesting with Bickford because of the recent report that came out about uh, his yes. pre-draft drug test. He did. He did. So that's it. The Giants, though, that's if you you're a pitcher, that's a team you want to go to. Their track rec- record with right-handed arms is very impressive. It's true. It's true. Uh, all right, anything else, gentlemen, on the draft before we wrap this up? No, I think we covered it all. All right, beautiful. Well, we'll be back uh, within the next couple of weeks. Definitely not recording anything this weekend because the wife's in town, but uh, we will maybe record something next week. Uh, so, I want to thank you all for downloading. For more on Andrew Benintendi and for more on the rest of the MLB draft, check out SoxProspects.com. Follow us. I'm at SP Chris Hatfield. Matt is at, at Matt Hegel, S-P-H-U-E-G-E-L. Ian is at, uh, at I-A-N-C-U-N-D-A-L-L, Ian Cundall. Uh, at at Sox Prospects is the site account. The news page is news.soxprospects.com. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes and Stitcher, for rating and reviewing, for all that good stuff. Questions for, to, for the podcast to podcast at soxprospects.com. Everybody, we will be back in your eardrums soon. <laughs> <laughs>